Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Hello, welcome to Emotional Badass, where Moxie meets Mindful. I'm your host, Nikki Eisenhower, life coach and psychotherapist. And on today's episode, we're discussing feeling both older and younger. one of my favorite books and authors today to help talk more about what it is to come from a toxic family so that we can understand ourselves with more depth and compassion. One of the secret, confusing, shameful aspects of growing up in a toxic family is that we tend to grow up having a very weird sort of surreal sense of ourselves in some ways. And we don't understand why, and it's very, very difficult to put into words. It's a strange thing to feel both older and younger. The book that I want to talk about, I'm going to go through the table of contents with you because it's the simplest, most clear way that we can understand toxicity within family dynamics. Because one of the things we can't do in mental health, one of the things I can't do as a therapist or a coach and I can't do as a person within my family, and you might struggle to do, is to answer the question, well, how toxic is my situation? How toxic is my relationship? We don't have measurements for that. So we have to sort of intuitively go through this material to help ourselves gauge that in relating to our families how much is is toxic for any one person and why so that we can start to figure out what boundaries we need to be able to grow into the calm, centered, whole life experience that seekers tend to be looking for when we're healing from difficult family dynamics. Now, Susan Forward is one of my favorite authors. I recommend her a lot. If you see me in videos on the live stream at Patreon, I'm often holding up either her book, Toxic Parents or Emotional Blackmail, because these are the books that help us understand manipulation. These are the books that help us unravel gaslighting. And the thing with gaslighting manipulation is that lots of people that manipulate and gaslight have no idea that they're manipulating or gaslighting. Some very much do, but many, many, many don't. It's just how they've developed and how they relate. And when that doesn't go explored and excavated and mindfully looked at to evaluate, ooh, is this healthy? Is this what I want to do for my children? Without that self-reflection and insight, these patterns continue down our family lines for generations and generations. So I know that many of you who listen to Emotional Badass, who come and participate on Patreon, who follow me on social media, very much y'all are, y'all are sort of carrying the torch of not with me, not on my branch of the family tree. 
I'm going to end the cycle of abuse, of neglect, of toxicity. It ends with me. And that's what you're here for. It's why you're listening to my voice and downloading this podcast week after week. So I want to introduce you to the beautiful healing book, Toxic Parents, Overcoming Their Hurtful Legacy and Reclaiming Your Life by Susan Forward, F-O-R-W-A-R-D. Now, let me just introduce you to how she has this book laid out, because one of the issues that I know you struggle with if you listen to the show is overwhelm. Not only are we in a modern age where we are overcome with details and customer service and emails and just so much comes at us, that in our healing process, we don't have so much time and bandwidth to dive in the way we might if we could check out of our lives and just do recovery for six months. So I really like this book because you don't have to read it cover to cover. Now, many of you will get it and devour it cover to cover because it's so freaking interesting and unlocks so much. But here is how Susan Forward categorizes toxic parents. Chapter one is the godlike parents, the myth of the perfect parent. Many of us are healing from this dynamic. Maybe your parent is a narcissist, covertly or overtly. Maybe there's a religious dynamic there that may be emboldened with more power that sort of overtook your personal power. So we work to understand the godlike parents, the parents who really presented as perfect and all-knowing. I know that I had some of those elements in my upbringing. I really thought for a long time that being an adult meant you had all the answers because the adults around me presented that way. When I would say, well, why? Why are we doing this? When I would question, I would get told, because I'm the adult. So to me, adult meant all the answers. Why? I was raised by godlike parents. Chapter two is just because you didn't mean it doesn't mean it didn't hurt the inadequate parents. Now, this is a place that we really talk about in my boundaries course, because in some ways in my story, I'm grateful for at this point, I wasn't when I was younger, but at this point in my life, I am grateful for the level of toxicity in my family because it was so clearly toxic to me along the way that it gave me some permission to have some very strong boundaries. I do think that in some ways that is a weird sort of backhanded gift maybe that I've received and sometimes setting boundaries and grieving and moving through our work when we have inadequate parents is harder. Why? Because we empathize with the fact that they didn't mean to do harm. There wasn't any viciousness or darkness there necessarily. There was just simply not knowing. Some of you have been raised by very, very young parents who just were inadequate. I've been talking out about poverty after someone asked me to talk about that more. I think there are aspects of poverty. If you were raised by a single mom who was working her ass off You know, there's a certain inadequacy. If we don't have enough money to live in this culture and to have choices, there may be some things that just wind up being sort of inadequate. Chapter three, why can't they let me live my own life? The controllers. So we can see how if I had godlike parents who thought they knew everything, that they would also fit into being super controlling. Where do your parents fit into your psyche and into your actual life? 
every now and then in my career, I've met someone who is parentless. Their parents have passed, but they still live as if their parents are controlling them. Why? Because they're in their psychology. Do you come from controllers? And how do you process that in the world? What do you do with that? Chapter four of Toxic Parents by Susan Forward. No one in this family is an alcoholic. The alcoholics. Now, that's a very telling name to a chapter because a big part of alcoholism in families isn't just about somebody drinking a whole lot of alcohol. It's about the dynamics that ensue around that. And in alcoholic addicted families, very, very often, the most common dynamic there is that they present to the world as if everything is wonderful. So it's very easy to look at an alcoholic family system and see how that can become very godlike. Don't question me. I know what I'm doing. I'm the adult. So we can start to see by separating and categorizing toxicity, how the different toxicities overlap, and we get some clarity and some understanding. Chapter five, the bruises are all on the inside, the verbal abusers. Now, this was big in my life growing up. I was raised Catholic and then converted after my mother remarried to Lutheran. But a lot of that Catholicism, a lot of that Catholic shame didn't leave. And that was a big part of verbal abuse was shame, guilt, being called selfish if I wanted to take care of myself. And verbal abuse is inherently gaslighting because it's very, very confusing. We can't see it. We can't show anyone that it's there. If you assault me and you break my arm, it's awful. It's abusive. I have to heal from it. I might have some trust issues from it, but I don't feel crazy. I very much know that you assaulted me, that my arm got hurt, and that there's a consequence. And I don't feel crazy because I can show that broken arm to anybody. I can take a picture of it. It feels real. Verbal abusers tend to be very, very skilled at going in and out of verbal abuse. Some people just stay very sort of callous and cruel. But when there's an element of charm within verbal abuse, someone can very much charm us or compliment us on the one hand and on the very next hand say something nasty or biting or cutting or passive aggressive. It takes a lot of energy for a highly sensitive person or a survivor to sort of ride the waves of the energy of verbal abuse. We tend to spend a lot of energy wondering later, wondering when we're by ourselves, when we're alone, if we exaggerated in our heads, if it really happened that way or if it didn't. So it's hard to find reality when there's a lot of verbal abuse within a family system. The next chapter is chapter six. Sometimes the bruises are on the outside too, the physical abusers. And before listening to the show, before diving deeply into your own work or reading, or when you were younger, it might be surprising, especially if you're new to healing or new to introspection, or new to figuring out that you're a highly sensitive person. For most of us, when we think about, oh, abuse, we think about physical abuse. That's what's normalized in our society to fit the sort of basic surface level definition. 
And chapter seven is the ultimate betrayal, the sexual abusers. That's a very, very important chapter for incest survivors. And it's important to distinguish that from other forms of abuse because the violation is super intimate. And we need to learn what that does to our system so that we can figure out what to do to heal it. Chapter eight is why do parents behave this way? The family system. You hear me talk a lot about family systems. It is the lens that I shoot almost every form of healing through because I want to look at how the different players interact. We want to learn the specific roles that we play within those systems. Many of us will change roles as we grow and as we develop. And the family system doesn't like when we change. There's not a lot of permission in toxic family systems to try on different roles, to change, to evolve, to grow, to try new things, to risk. The second half of the book is about not understanding toxic parents, but about reclaiming your life from this dynamic. Chapter nine is you don't have to forgive. And this is a huge one. And it's part of why it's important to be that I name that I help people find their own personal spirituality. Because in a lot of spiritual literature and the message from a lot of spiritual gurus and healers in the world is that we must forgive. And I push against that. And so I really have appreciated Susan Forward being another voice on the planet that holds space for people. When we come from a super toxic family, we have given so much. We have given and given and given and given, trying to seek approval, trying to get love, trying to get understanding, trying to get what we need to evolve in this life. It's often counterproductive when someone feels very beaten down by this dynamic and raw to hear the message that, oh, what you need to do is forgive. Now, I have gotten to forgiveness, but I only got to forgiveness by giving myself a whole lot of permission for a very long time that I didn't have to forgive. I had given so much that I didn't need to pressure myself to also give the forgiving. And I think when we let go of the grip that we should or we must or we have to, when we feel forced or backed into a corner to forgive, that's not the energy of forgiveness. And maybe that's how forgiveness works, that I first must forgive myself for not wanting to forgive or not being able to for a long time. And maybe from that forgiveness of myself, it was natural without even trying to get to a place of forgiving my abusers. And that's something that I do for me. It's not something that I have to show up and do with them. It's something I give from my heart space for me. Chapter 10 is, I'm a grown-up. Why don't I feel like one? And that's kind of where I started this episode. In all of this toxicity, we don't get our needs met. And logic says when we don't get our needs met, we'd go elsewhere to get our needs met. Kind of like feeding a stray cat. You know, that cat has a logic. If I put food out for it and it gets fed, it's going to keep showing up. But if I stop putting food out for that cat, that cat might meow for a while, might try to get me to put some food out, but it'll eventually realize, oh, I'm not getting food here and wander off to look for food elsewhere. 
That's logic. Our psychology is often not logical, y'all. So what happens in this approval seeking that is set up by toxic family systems, our psychology kicks in and overrides logic. And our psychology says, if I can't get my needs met here, I'm going to double down on getting my needs met here. I will definitely get my needs met here. I will put all my energy into getting my needs met here, and I'm not going to stop till I get my needs met here. This may be why highly sensitive people coming from toxic families are so freaking exhausted. And it keeps us in a little kid mode. Can you see that? By needing approval and continuing to seek it, it's as if we disallow a part of ourselves to grow up and past approval seeking. I've often wondered if it wouldn't be a wiser definition of psychological adulting if we considered self-approval as part of what proves adultness. There was very much a shift for me. The more that I offered my self-approval instead of seeking approval from people who didn't have it to give me, the more I grew my younger parts up. And what happened over time for me and happens for many of my clients is that that self-approval is what starts to disentangle us from the enmeshment of all of this toxicity. The self-approval is what allows the inner child to stop looking like the cat looking for food at this family that won't put food out. Reparenting ourselves and giving our inner child what he or she always has needed helps grow that part up. And it's not that we will never, ever, ever seek anyone else's approval. That's the nuance of this. That is the art form of this type of healing. None of this stuff is black and white. But I want to make sure that I have people in my life that can give equal measures of fair and heart-centered critical feedback and approval. That's what develops strong trust and an adult-to-adult mature relationship. It's quite natural in these toxic family systems for very small children, sometimes starting out at three, four, and five years old, to be what we call parentified. That means that I was a mini adult, especially as an HSP and an empath. I can look back now and understand that I was observing the adults around me. And I very much knew, even though I couldn't articulate or put into words, that a certain amount of adulting just wasn't happening around me. That's a good explanation of why my little nervous system was probably activated a whole lot of the time. It's hard to feel safe as a child if on some level I don't trust the adults around me to adult. It's hard for a little system to feel calm and centered and safe and whole. If I'm on guard for a parent that's supposed to be the safe place for me to fall will lash out at me in an immature way, in a godlike way, in an all-knowing, all-controlling type way, and in a shaming way. So what happens to a lot of us is that we grow up both feeling older because we've been little grown-ups since we were little, and then in different moments where we're triggered, we feel very young and inadequate. This is why I'm on fire about inner child work, because it is the only thing that I have found with myself and with the clients that I work with 
that actually helps heal and get us to where we want to be. And what we want is stability, confidence, peace, security. It's very hard to get that if we're triggered and we go back to feeling five years old in our adult body. I'll go through the rest of the chapters quickly just so you can hear them. Chapter 11 of Toxic Parents by Susan Forward is the beginnings of self-definition. Can you hear how important it is to self-define if our families have sort of overpowered our definition of ourselves? Chapter 12 is who's really responsible? Responsibility and personal ownership is the only way that we evolve past what's toxic. Chapter 13 is confrontation, the road to independence. How many HSPs out there in the world who are listening to this right now will describe themselves as conflict avoidant? And of course we're conflict avoidant. If we're smart people, we're conflict avoidant. Unless we have a real anger issue and an aggression issue, most of us want to smartly avoid conflict. It's exhausting. But if we come from toxicity, we've learned that conflict is toxic. And that's not true, guys. Conflict is necessary. Conflict is healthy. But we have to learn how to do that with healthier people. It's part of why I, I have this conversation with almost every client I've ever had. Hey, there's going to be something that I say to you at some point that pisses you off or you disagree with, or I put my foot in my mouth, I'm going to upset you. It's very important that you name that as soon as you can, in the moment or as soon as you can later, so that we can work through it. How else do we practice letting go of conflict avoidance and growing into reasonable confrontation skills if we don't start with a therapist or a coach, with somebody who's safe, that we've chosen? that understands how to do this. The mistake most of us make, I go over this in the boundaries course, is that we show up at something like my boundaries course or therapy and we want to learn all the things and then we want to turn around and we want to do confrontation with the absolute hardest people in our lives to confront, our family members. I think of myself as, as a life strategist for people. I almost called myself that instead of a life coach. And there are better strategies. So I encourage people to disagree with me, to practice some conflict with me in session or in a live stream or in one of my courses where I teach live. Because that's where we start to get the muscles for that. But we've got to practice it with people who can receive that and know how to do healthy conflict for us to grow into it. And then we go out into the world and we model healthy conflict and confrontation for other people. That's why healing is exponential. The last two chapters, or the last three chapters actually, are about healing the incest wound, breaking the cycle, and the final chapter or epilogue is letting go of the struggle. And that's where we go from surviving to thriving. And you deserve that. You deserve that at the age you are now. You deserve that when you feel ancient, like an old soul, wiser than your days and years on the planet. And you deserve that even if you still get triggered, especially if you still get triggered and feel small or young or vulnerable. 
Susan Forward's book is Toxic Parents, Overcoming Their Hurtful Legacy and Reclaiming Your Life. Every week, me and the team here that we are building an emotional badass, we receive messages of gratitude and relief from people who are finding the show, finding strength in their survivorship, and figuring out that the sensitivity that they've always felt timid about or like as if something was broken, they're finding strength in it by realizing that they're highly sensitive people. We work hard to produce this show. We have not missed a single week in two years, but we cannot promote this show without you. Y'all have truly been since day one, my marketing team. And I can't thank you enough. I know getting on iTunes, Clicking all the things to figure out how to write a review can be a little tedious. So I super thank all of you that take a moment to get on a computer and do that because it helps so many other people find the show. I want to thank Katie Rolick for writing a beautiful review. I'm so glad that you can relate. Thank you so much for writing a review and helping other people find the show. I want to thank Nick's Jar. I'm glad you were working on figuring out how to let go of your guilt while you're learning to express your emotions through words. I don't think your emotion is too much. I think it's the right amount for the right people. I want to thank JYDCJJJBVV. Thank you for loving the show. You've been watching me grow into a new role, so I think you've probably known me for... Oh, I know who this is. I know. Ah, uh, this is Taryn. Hi, Taryn. Thank you so much for getting on and writing me a review. Thanks for being my biggest fan and continuing to cheer me on. You have since before the show is even an idea. Thank you, ma'am. I want to thank the best. I'm glad that you can feel that I'm down to earth and unpretentious. I think so. I'm glad that comes across. I want to thank C. Gabriella. I'm glad you feel supported and understood. Thank you for the review, and you are so welcome. Thank you, thank you. I want to thank Maxwellishful for saying the show is really worth a listen and that I'm providing quality information that helps people understand themselves on a deeper level. Thank you, thank you, thank you. To all of you that have given us a five-star review and written things, thank you from the bottom of my heart, from me and the team. Please remember that all healing is possible even when it feels impossible. And if you struggle to believe that in any given moment, know that I am believing it for you. I am an emotional badass. You're an emotional badass. And together we are where Moxie meets mindful. Light and love. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.